Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. So uh, let's stand to our feet and hold our Bibles up high, if you would, please. You look great this morning, by the way. Even with the lights on, everything's working out. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, a couple of things. Um, we've got some events coming up. Um, one is the gathering will meet again on June 23rd, which is just an adult gathering, fellowship, bingo, tacos, prizes. Uh, also, for those of you who have children, uh, we'll be graduating the children up to youth on May the 28th. Kindergarten and sixth grade will be graduating up. And so we'll celebrate that time, giving them all the time at Incredible Pizza that morning, having fun. And then men of Mosaic will be having a men's breakfast on June the 3rd at 9 a.m. So you'll want to come to that, and we'll see how many of you have missed it. And uh, it'll all be good. Well, we've been, uh, when you came in, these cards are in your chairs for a reason, a couple of reasons. One, for you to take home and put in your house and put on all your teenagers and children's doors. (laughs) And, and you're saying, but it says, please, please do not disturb. And what you're telling them is, don't disturb my life and my own. And uh, scriptures are on there for that. And we had people take them, give them out, invite people to church. Uh, it's really a, a really cool thing, and it gives all the information on one side. Please do not disturb on this side, which is the series I've been doing because we live in a very disturbed world. And whenever you are surrounded by disturbance, if you're not careful, that disturbance will get into your heart and get into your mind. And before you know it, you live a life of fear. You live a life of worry, concern, doubt, and begin to question uh, where the world's headed. But the reality is we're called to live one day at a time and really give no worry or thought to tomorrow, but enjoy today. And that's a challenge when you start thinking about all that's before you, all the things that need to be done. And uh, it all begins with feeling like I'm not enough. If I'm having problems, I'm disturbed, I'm not enough. Well, you are enough because we serve a God of more than enough. And if you're a Christian, the God of more than enough lives in you, which means you too are more than enough in his power and his strength. And so when we feel like we're not enough, we begin to develop wrong mindsets, wrong thought patterns. And uh, before long, we begin to believe the lies that are, that are working in us that uh, I'm unworthy, I don't deserve the grace of God, don't deserve the mercy of God, and, and so many people in the world feel like they're not good enough to be saved, they're not good enough to go to heaven, and some people think, well, you know, they were a good person, they're going to heaven. I don't want to be cruel, and I don't want this to be edited out, but good people don't go to heaven. Born-again people go to heaven. How many of you know there are some born-again people that are just not good? hate to be mean, but I've, re- I've run into quite a few really angry Christians who are just cruel. I was like, well, I'm going to heaven too, and I hope you're not. Yeah, you're really saved. So 
the idea of, of getting out of this religious mindset, and, and we should try to be good, and we should do good, and, and all of those things are wonderful. But my being good without Jesus is not going to get me into heaven. And me being mean with Jesus is not going to keep me out of heaven. Wow, now that's something to ponder. Now, again, the reason I say this is because we, we often measure our lives against our behaviors. We measure our lives against our actions. And we, we're constantly trying to compare how good we are against what we do or how good we are compared to what somebody else does. And anytime you start comparing, somebody always loses. And so the idea is to create a mindset that says, I am a good person because God made me in his image and his likeness. Now, whether or not that goodness is being lived out every day may be a, a, a different matter. But the reality is God made you good. God made you wonderful. God made you in his image and his likeness. And so we have to get on the other side of I'm not enough. And the second thing was I, I, I don't have enough to be enough. And so these are thoughts that we all fight. And uh, in a world that's quick to judge, if you were to tell somebody that you weren't doing well, uh, they might question your faith, depending on what denomination you're a part of, or uh, some denominations would applaud you for not doing well, because they feel like that, that Christians should suffer their whole lives, and we shouldn't be happy, and we shouldn't be joyful. We ought to realize that we're not good people, and, and that it's woe is me. And I grew up in that kind of church, and I left that kind of church and left church altogether because I, I always felt like I wasn't enough, I couldn't do enough, I didn't have enough. And I thought, you know, you, you, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, back in my day, Christians weren't happy people because they lived lives by rules in the letter of the law. And the Bible says the letter of law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Once I was introduced to the Spirit of God and understood the love of God, I realized it wasn't about how good I was. It was about how great he was and how, about how great he is. And so I want to get this in us because many people quit church. I've had people that you know, got saved. and A year later, they quit. And when I, I run into them somewhere, I ask them the question. And they just say, well, you know, I've done some really bad things. Well, then you need to be in the presence of a really good God. You know, I mean, church should be the first place you run to. However, I understand why many people don't run to church after doing something stupid because the church will tell them you're stupid. And I'll tell you, you're mosaic. You are a broken piece, just like I am, a fragment. But when we come together with all of our problems, all of our sin, all of our mistakes, and we come together, we make this beautiful picture of how God meant it to be when he sent Jesus to die on the cross, and he pieces this broken humanity together to make a beautiful picture of his redemption. And if, if we can grasp that, it'll be very difficult for the devil to ever convince you that you're not enough and that you don't have enough of God. You don't have enough of what you need to be everything God's called you to be. So I talked about the very first things we need to put ourselves in places where we can thrive. You need to put yourself, number one, I believe if you go to the right church, and there are a lot of great churches, if you go to the right church, every Sunday you will go out hopefully fueled for the next week to believe God is enough in my life. He's more than enough. I'm enough, and nobody can tell me otherwise. You see, it only takes a little bit over time for someone to chip away at your confidence, 
to chip away at your faith. It just takes a little here and a little there, and before you know it, you'll believe you're nobody. You're nothing. You contribute nothing to society. And yet, if that were the case, then you shouldn't have been born, but you were because God put you in the womb at the right time, put you in the right place, and now we just have to position ourselves in the right locations to experience God. And so I tell people, you know, I, I could read who you're going to be uh, in, in five years by the books you read and the people you hang out with. You're not going to get better hanging out with negative people, people who are always gossiping and talking about other people. And I'm not even trying to be mean because there are some really good Christian gossips. <laughs> They're like, it's an anointing. And, uh, you know, when you hang around with people like that, you will become a gossip. And so there's a way to stop that. When somebody starts talking about somebody else in your presence, say, let's get them on the phone right now and include them. They'll stop. Because all that's doing is contaminating the way you think about another person. There are people I know very well, and that somebody comes up and talks about them and says, well, you don't know who I know. You can't be talking about that person because they're, they're totally different to me. Well, they don't, you know, and, they, and, and it stops it. And this is very, very important for you to live a healthy life and have a healthy soul. And I don't know how many people don't want a healthy soul. When I get up in the morning, I don't want the weight of the world that I chose to put on me by talking negative or talking about someone or listening to conversations. And it doesn't mean there are times you don't inform someone about something going on. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you do it for the sake of tearing someone else down so you can lift yourself up, that's when it gets bad. And uh, we don't compare with anybody else because we weren't called to. Paul tells us, do not compare yourself with one another. And so it's very important. So I talked about the right uh, location is everything. Putting yourself in a position when God told Elijah to, to go to the brook Zarah, and he said, stay there and the ravens will feed you. Well, Elijah could think, well, he's God. He could feed me from anywhere. But God said, this is where I want you. This is the place I'm going to bless you. This is the place I'm going to take care of you. And so oftentimes, we're just in the wrong place. We're not the wrong people. Uh, we're, we're just in the wrong place. Maybe we're around the wrong people. But we can put ourselves in a place for God to bless us. I've said it many times. I believe the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by God, which means I can't go anywhere I want, start a church anywhere I want, or I'd be on a beach today. I mean, this is Tornado Alley where the winds come sweeping down the plains, severe thunderstorms. This is awesome. But, but this, is, this is where I feel like God's planted me, and I feel like I will be at my best here. And so I would love the thought of God going ahead and burping up a couple of mountains here and there in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe some things like that. It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime, but it doesn't hurt to dream. See, now if you go to lunch and talk about me, it's just pure gossip. Well, pastor's dreaming. Yeah, don't wake me up. You know, sometimes you just got to dream. So I'm going to talk about today about having, uh, dealing with a wrong attitude. Because attitude is everything. It's everything. You, you, it's just, if you want life to be good, even in the midst of your crises or your darkness, you can change at least, you may not change the situation but you can change your perspective, which will cause you to rise above your situation. Things may be bad right now. They may be difficult right now. But if you keep the attitude, it's not going to be this way all the time. I'm going to make sure it's not this way all the time. I'm going to change the things that I can change and trust God to change the things that he will. So it's very, very important that we keep a right perspective. 
not give up, not quit. There will be seasons in life, uh, you know, that, that we go through that are more difficult than other seasons. And what I've determined in my life that I'm not going to waste a season even if it's bad. And I'm not going to waste a sin once I know I've done it. That I'm going to learn from that. Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. Not the things he was taught, but through the things he suffered. Now again, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want to suffer. But can we just all be a little bit real that suffering seems to be a part of fallen humanity? That there are times in life and and sometimes those moments of suffering are lost because we don't ask God, what is it that I need to grasp during this season that can change my life? What, what can I learn? And sometimes one of the things I've learned is most of us in a crisis, we get verbal. We open our mouth and we say things we wish we hadn't said. One of my tricks is shut up. To me, not you. I'm, I'm sorry. Some of you would be offended. He told me to shut up. The only pastor I've ever heard say shut up. Well, if you stick around here, you'll hear a lot of things you haven't heard before. But one of which for me is sometimes not saying anything is the best thing you can say. That minimizes a wrong perspective. So in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6 I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, God's telling Moses, and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So in this moment, God instructs Moses. Moses does what God says, does the right thing, and water flows out. Now Moses is dealing with millions of Israelites from all different, with all different attitudes they complained, they whined, they did a lot of things, even those closest to him. And Moses is obeying God and providing water. He had an attitude that said, I will obey. But over time, Moses got frustrated. He was tired of the people. <laughs> I call him Pastor Moses. Sometimes you just get tired of it. And over time, if you allow that mental, emotional fatigue to infiltrate your soul, you won't have a right response. So when someone mistreats you, how many of you know that it's really, for some reason we have a, a Velcro soul when it comes to negativity? When somebody does something wrong, we don't forget it. When someone does something right and blesses us, we often forget it. But trust me, your memory is more inclined because of our sin nature to remember what someone did to you instead of what someone did for you. So if I could challenge some of you that may be uh, on the negative side of the line, start writing down the positive things that someone's done for you. Just start writing them down. Say, I need to be thankful for this. Every now and then, I'll have a thought and, and about somebody, and I'll just text them or call them, and, and it may be out of the blue. I haven't talked to them in months, but I want to be thankful for what people have done for me because I've got a whole slew of things people have done to me. But I have decided those things must not dictate my attitude or my perspective. I must align my perspective and attitude with that of Christ when he looks down from the cross being crucified. Father, forgive them. In my modern day translation is because they are so stupid. 
Christ said it so much more eloquently because they don't know what they do. They don't know what they're doing. What a beautiful line. If somebody wrongs you, use Jesus' words. You can whisper to yourself, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because I'm a wonderful person. Say that in quiet too. I'm phenomenal, incredible, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. My footsteps are ordered by him. I'm the apple of his eye. Mess with me and you're messing with God. Five of you got that. The rest of you to land on you right after you eat. But these are principles, and, and too often in Christianity, we're looking for an emotion. I grew up in a very emotional church, quite embarrassingly emotional. And again, I'm not against emotion, but emotion should not drive our theology. Those who know their God, not those who feel their God, shall do exploits. So we have people that say, man, I felt God in church today. And, and that's great. We sh- I like feeling God, but I like knowing he's here even more. Because there are Sundays I come in, and I don't feel him, but I know he's here. Because our light panel's broken. I didn't feel God when I walked in. I felt dark and scared. <laughs> Just kidding. We need night lights for the next service. But you, there are Sundays like that that you're not aware of anything. You know, you're, you're not aware of who didn't show up, who did show up to work and volunteer and who didn't. And, and, and you know, this and that happens. And on Sunday mornings, it kind of looks good to you behind the scenes. Sometimes I'm going... God, really? You're God. We're here to support you, and and they've got lights at the bar, but we can't get them in the house. And I just said bar in church. (laughs) Some of you, we were there last night. We had more light than this. (laughs) Welcome to the house of God. (laughs) So we get so uptight that we get this wrong attitude. And years later, the same thing happened. The people became thirsty and requested water. Moses did the usual by going to God, but this time God told him to do something different, to do a different thing. He said, I want you to speak to the rock. In other words, they've seen you strike the rock, and they've seen the water come out. So Israel is expecting that this time Moses will go do the same thing and God will tell him the same thing. But this time God says, no, I want you to speak to it. Which, think about this, is even a greater miracle because you could say, well, he hit a weak spot in the rock and there was a, you know, there, there was a, a well or something behind there and, and it started flowing. This time God says, I want you to speak to it. Well, Moses is frustrated. His attitude at this point is, God, I'm really tired of these whiny Israelites. And, you know, Moses had the biggest church of all. I mean, he had millions out in the wilderness. I mean, it was an outdoor church. I try to bring this home to put package it in a way that we all look at it and go, that really is pretty cool. You know, it, it says that he led a million men. So theologically, some people think, it's, no, he had children, he had wives, had women. There were millions in the desert, and he's leading them through and having to provide. And here's what happens. So, in Numbers 20, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff in the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. What a cool line. You could tell this is Moses. You know, we have, a, we have a tendency 
to make uh, biblical people, characters, if you will, we have a, a tendency to think they were all just so incredibly, incredibly righteous and holy. But they all screwed up. I mean, you, you start with Moses, Elijah, David, list goes on. And the reason I say this is because we oftentimes think these people were something special or unique, and they were, but so are you. You are too. It's not like these people are, God goes, well, you know, this is a new generation, you know, uh, of people on earth in 2023, and, and they don't get it the way Moses and David and all these. No, he, there's no difference. We're people. We're people, so I put myself in Moses' position, and, and there are Sundays. I look, and I, I would say, you know, I, I, you feel the same way as a leader sometimes. And, and Moses, in the front of the people, starts this thing. Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Now, what kind of question is this? First off, it has nothing to do with the people. It has to do with the command of God to do it. So Moses, it'd be like me standing up every Sunday issuing my complaints before you. You didn't come here to hear my problems. You came here to hear the word of God to solve your problems. Two of you are going, thank God. No, that's what this is about, is encouraging. And, and so if I get a wrong attitude, a wrong response, I went to a church where I got beat up every Sunday. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. It was like MMA church. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to beat the snot out of you. You're going away feeling like a worm, and everything from here on is going to be great because you're in the cellar right now. Well, you know, to me, when you come to church, the idea is, I want you to walk out of here believing no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you is going to be refuted. Greater is God in you than everything going on in your world today. And many people are angry with this message of hope. I was watching, a, I watch a lot of clips throughout the week, and, and one guy's going down the list of calling everybody, these preachers, false prophets. I didn't make the list. Uh, but some of my friends did, and I went, you don't know them. But, but creating this, it doesn't do any good. Why, if you speak up to people, people will rise up. If you speak down to people, people will dumb, dumb down. And if you got someone already dumb, don't dumb them down even more. Speak up to them. Don't talk about what they're doing. Talk about what they could be doing. This is who you could become. This is who God wants. This is what you have the power to do. Too often, we think if we beat somebody down that they might actually get up. And some people do. It's rare, but they may not get up with the right attitude. They get up angry instead of full of faith and vision. And so Moses goes after him. Then Moses raised his arm and struck, struck the, the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out because God's a good God, and the community and their livestock drank. Moses did not speak to the rock, but struck it instead. This is the reason why he didn't make it into the promised land. He only got a look. He only got a view. He didn't get to, he didn't get to go in. Now, you say that's cruel. Well, we know Moses is in heaven because we read about it in the New Testament. We know that. It wasn't that he didn't get to go to heaven. But he didn't get to get the promise. The promise is what we live for. The promise is of God, the plural, the promises of God. And, and some people are living, and I was one of those people for many years. I lived for Christ just so I could go to heaven. That's the only reason. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Who wants to go to hell? 
All you got to do is go read the book of Revelation, and, and you probably want to get saved. I mean, it's weird stuff. I mean, it's scary stuff. Now, I'm not going to be involved with that. I mean, I'll have a, probably a, a, a big thing of popcorn sitting in a seat in heaven watching it go down. But you have to live your life in a way that says, I'm going to pursue all the promises of God. And then people will get mad at you, religious people especially, because the only reason you're serving God is because, because you just want something from him. No, I don't want something. I want everything. I want everything that Jesus paid for me to have. And I, it all begins with my soul. And in and, and, and Third John, it says, I would above all things you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So if I prosper without soul prosperity, the prosperity I possess will become misery. The problem with prosperity is not prosperity, it's our ability to handle it. And if our soul is not full, we won't handle the prosperity on the outside because we don't have the prosperity on the inside. So the first commitment I want is I want to be joyful. I want to have a life filled with joy. If somebody said, what do you want more than anything? I said, well, you know, I, I want joy, I want peace. I want the, all of the things that Jesus paid for me to have. And with that, how many of you know if you're at peace in your soul, whatever's going on outside you probably is not going to trouble you? whether you have much or whether you have little, because you have given yourself to the peace of God that passes all understanding. I wish everything was great. I mean, I wish everything, every day was perfect. But, I mean, how many of you know something? Your car's going to break down. The, the door's not going to work. Your garage door's not going to open when you get home, whatever. I mean, I've had that happen before. I mean, it's like, really, Jesus? One night, uh, Susan and I were coming home, and, and we, uh, it was late. We'd flown in. Uh, from out of town <laughs> all of a sudden just going up our street we see this explosion we thought it was fireworks but it was an electrical one of those what do you call them the transformers and with and, and get and, and in our neighborhood our house were blown not our whole neighborhood just our street everybody else got lights on i'm thinking thank you jesus i'm a man of god i preach your word and you're not gonna let me have any light I could have lost my peace, but I figured ways around it. Got home, got in, got to bed. And how many of you know you don't sleep with your lights on anyway unless you're a scaredy cat? <laughs> or you're old and you can't find the bathroom. <laughs> Just saying. So, our standard for Christian excellence in a code of conduct is, can be summed up in the following. And I pulled some stuff, one of the greatest coaches I've ever seen in my life and used to enjoy watching him coach and watching him, his players play, best team ever at UCLA. Number one, he said, promise yourself that you will talk health, happiness, and prosperity as often as possible. Now, this is a sermon from a coach, only it wasn't written as a sermon, but this is straight biblical. Number two, promise yourself to make all your friends know there is something in them that is special that you value. When's the last time you told somebody something that they haven't heard or haven't heard in a long time? That you're somebody special. God has a plan for your life. And they'll look at you funny if they've never heard these words. God has a plan for your life. Well, what is it? I don't know, but I want you to search for it. I want you to trust him. I want you to lean on all the promises of God that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. 
the plans he has for you are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. When you're going through a tough time, surely, O oh Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. This is the reason we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible to get to heaven. We read the Bible to get heaven to earth. We read the Bible to get the promises of God in our heart. We read the Bible to know what God is saying because remember, it's not what we feel, it's what we know. And there are days I don't feel like a Christian. There are days I don't feel God's presence. There are days he seems very distant from me. What keeps me connected to God is what I know, not what I feel. Number three, promise to think only of the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best in yourself and others. Too often, especially in marriage, the battle rages because nobody's complimenting the other. That we only see what's not being done that we think should be done instead of saying, whatever you do, thank you. Now, my wife is unbelievable at the laundry. Now, you laugh, but she really likes doing it. And I don't mind doing it, but she likes doing it. And, 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 and that's just a role that she's accepted. I've got other roles. We didn't sit down and pencil them if we see that something needs to be done. Now, I don't touch the laundry. That is off limits because I've done it a couple of times. See, you put that in the dryer. That doesn't go in the dryer. That hang dries. I'm going, well, I, I didn't know. We got a dryer. Yeah, but if you dry this, here's what happens. Okay. So I'm very thankful that not only do I not have to, I get in trouble if I do. I am one blessed man. But yesterday, I just thought, you know, I haven't thanked her in a while, and I just thank you for doing this. You say, well, that's just dumb. Not really, because it lets her know I know that she's doing it. And sometimes we just assume that they ought to be all right because we have our roles to play, whether they're written or unwritten, in the house. But it never hurts to tell somebody, thank you. Because most of the time, well, if they're supposed to do it, why should I thank them? Because they did it. And they did it for you, and you need to thank them. Now, you're going to get mad at me just for a moment because my wife got on to me for this. I said, you know what? And, and I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong, and she's right. It's one thing I've learned. If I'm right, she's wrong, she's still right. And so I said, you know, we got Mother's Day, Memorial Day, Father's Day, and I looked and I said, honey, every day should be Mother's Day. No, that ought to be one day. I said, well, I just wanted you to know I think every day is an awesome. You're a mother and happy Mother's Day every day. You're awesome. And then I thought, well, she's probably right because there is a day that stands out. And, and I can't imagine being a mother. I can't imagine a mother wanting to push another human out of her being. I, I actually applaud you because I promise you if I was a woman, there would be no population explosion. You are heroes, man. I'm just going to tell you, after, after seeing babies born, I ain't fighting no woman. <laughs> I imagine the tolerance for pain. I don't have that. Stomp my toe and I'm out. 
Promise to be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. These are ways for you to check your attitude. Am I happy when somebody else has success? When somebody gets something I want and I didn't get it, am I as happy for them that they did even though I didn't? These are tests. Look, folks, you can sit there and look at me like a cow at a new gate. And if you're not from the country, you don't know what that means. Cows are dumb. That's why they, they make hamburgers out of them. They're not show animals. Go to the circus and go, here come the cows. Nobody's intrigued. Everybody knows someday they're dying for us. So, be as enthusiastic when somebody else has them. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. When you hear people say, I've had it. That's enough. I've had it. I can't take it anymore. You've lost your peace of mind. Instead of looking in the face of adversity and go, this too shall pass. The Bible says it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. The only way it stays is if you embrace it and make it stay. When somebody starts bringing up something that happened a year ago, you got issues. You shouldn't be reminding people of what they did to you a year ago. Even though you may never forget it, don't bring it up. This happened yesterday, I can tell, looking at some of you. Well, I did that yesterday, and we had a big fight. And Of course you did, and this is Sunday. All big family arguments begin on Saturday. <laughs> so that you can wake up tomorrow morning, we're not going to church today, I'm not going to church with Satan. <laughs> Ease up, pilgrim. Promise to forget the mistakes of the past and press on to greater achievements in the future. These are principles that keep your attitude in check. I can tell when I have a bad attitude. And I, have, you ever, have you ever really noticed it when you did or did somebody have to warn you? I know it. Matter of fact, sometimes I get ready to talk and I go, this ain't going to be good, but I'm having fun. This needs to be said. Somebody needs to hear this. And they really don't. And after I say it, I go, really wish I could get that back. But you can't put an egg back in a shell, baby. Once that's broken, it's done. And so you got to think, is this a right attitude that's producing a right response? Promise to wear a cheerful appearance at all times and give every person you meet a smile. You know the worst thing about masks was you couldn't see the beautiful smiles on people's faces. What I miss more than anything is you can't read people from here up. It's like here down. If somebody's smiling, and, and how many of you know that when somebody smiles, it changes everything? Literally changes everything. As a matter of fact, some of you are in families that if you smile, they'll have you drug tested. <laughs> Nobody ever told them a smile's a beautiful thing. Think, what are you on? Because we don't smile in this family. We don't have anything to smile about. you got a lot to smile about. You're alive, you're well, you know, and you can smile. And sometimes, I, literally, you're going to think I'm crazy, but there have been times I've had to look in the mirror and smile just to get myself happy. I do strange things to stay happy because I like being happy. I do not like being sad. I don't like negativity. And, and every now and then, my precious wife looks and goes, can I just vent? And I have to prepare myself. Go ahead. Because I want to have a response like, well, but you know, here's what. And, no, just want to vent. 
And everybody needs that. I'm not discounting that. But prepare yourself when somebody opens the vent. And just shut up. And then when they're done, say, now can I vent? God is so freaking awesome. I can't even believe it. And then they'll get mad at you. You have to wait a day for that. Because you just discounted the anger. Promise to give so much time improving yourself that you have no time to criticize others. So today, if you go away and you're tempted to say, well, our pastor didn't preach a Mother's Day message, you need to take, listen to this. I'm giving you ammunition to be a better mother right now. But I'm also helping you by making your husband listen. Boom! I'm encouraged. (laughs) Lastly, promise to be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to permit trouble to press on you. Look, the world and the church needs cooperation. God needs our cooperation. Most time, people treat God like a magician that if we come and watch, God will pull a rabbit out of the hat, a miracle out of the hat, whatever. But if we don't cooperate with God, we're not going to get what God has. So my attitude needs to line up with what he says. Give thanks in all things. All things give thanks. He'll work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So when something's happening, say, you know what? There's a purpose behind this, and I'm going to find it. There's a nugget inside this, and I'm going to dig for it. Because bad things will always happen around us, and we live in a fallen world, and and, and everything's not going to be like we would like it to be every day. And so we just have to say, I'm going to see through and see beyond the current crisis I'm encountering. And I believe that with that said, we will gather in our soul all the tools we need that are more than enough. Instead of saying, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, he's the God of more than enough. And when we cooperate with his word, the more than enough will come our way. And it'll come in the time that you need it, not when you want it. Because if you say, well, I need this, if you really needed it right now, you'd have it. Or one of two things, or you would cooperate and get it. I can't just wait on something that if God says, you know, go, for, go ask someone to forgive you, and I know that that's happened in my life, I said, you need to go do this. As long as I put that off, I'm not cooperating with the Word of God, and I may not experience what God wants me to experience. Because I know I've, I've got to forgive, and I've got to be forgiven, and we've got to operate in that. So I cooperate with God and say, God, I want to speak well of all people. I want to apologize when I need to apologize, ask for forgiveness. Those are very, very important things to living a life that is undisturbed. And watch and see what happens. It goes against the grain of how we feel, but it's not what we feel. It's what we know, and we know to do those things. And when we do those things, God will do his thing. But we restrict God. He's almighty, all-powerful, but he works... 
when we cooperate with what he tells us to do. The willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. And so we have to be willing and obedient. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for patience, your patience with us. And uh, God, thank you that you are a God of peace, a God of joy, God of love, God of mercy. So Lord, any of those things that are not being experienced in our lives, we know that we have a role to play to experience them. And so, Lord, we want to position ourselves where you are, find out what you're doing, and step into that. We want to do that with the right attitude, God, that our response would cooperate with your word. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around, and those of you watching online, either live or recorded, I want you to take just a moment and realize that you say, I'm not good enough. I am not enough. I don't have enough. The reality is all just one voice away, your voice of accepting Christ and the more than enough that he possesses because he is more than enough will come into your life. So I want us all to pray this out loud. I don't want anybody whispering, please, because there are people right in this auditorium that need all of us. They need our voice to support their voice. So let's pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I thank you, Jesus, that I am now born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or to renew your commitment to Christ and you feel so compelled to make that known, it begins by texting us at 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. Please do this right now. If you're in-house, do it right now, 405-500-1310. Uh, 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.